Hi, this is Richard Neal. You know me as Aratok in Horizon Zero Dawn, and you're listening to Real Dudes Podcast. What's up, everybody? I'm Tyler. I'm Lucas. And I'm Chris. And we're better than static. We meet up once a week and talk about movies, comics, and video games. I don't I don't want to talk about that. What? Why, why are you complaining about all the topics I bring up? I'm trying to sound professional, Chris. But we're not that good. We, we are too good. We may not be great, but we are better than static. You guys can hit up iTunes, Podbean, Google Play, and YouTube to check us out. Welcome to another fantastic episode of Real Dudes Podcast. Kyle here uh, on this mic, and I've got Carrington over there on that mic. Hey, hey, hey. And on the other mic, we have got returning guests, returning champion, returning uh, uh, T-Rex cosplayer, uh, returning uh, <laughs> uh, developer, author, um, you name it, he is one cool dude, and we are so glad to have him back on, Mr. Patrick Hickey Jr. What's up, guys? How you doing? Yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. What's up, guys? Happy to be back. Thank you for uh, allowing me to uh, be within your uh, good graces once again. No problem. It's an honor to have you back on. I know the last time that we had you on, we were talking about uh, the book that you had recently released at that time, but mm-hmm. right now, this time, you have released quite a bit, actually. You've been working on quite a bit of, of different projects, uh, sure. books, books, and uh, games. Um, so, why don't you enlighten us a little bit of what, what you've been a part of, what you've voiced? Sure acted in possibly Mm -hmm. and um maybe we'll lead into your book after a little bit here too sure so the last time i was on the show i was discussing my recently released book the minds behind the games interviews with cults and classic video game developers uh since then it's uh maintained a five-star rating on amazon um it's done very well so which by the way is an accomplishment because that is not easy to do I know over a year, like I'm waiting. It's already happened on Goodreads. There's been like one person that I suspect I work with because most of the people that I work with are failed writers. So mm-hmm. I expect that like one of them was the one that left a really nasty review on <laughs> Goodreads. But um, everybody else like has been awesome. And all the critique I've gotten is just like, all right, you need to do more of this stuff. So that's been uh, that was where I was at at that point. I was also working on uh, this this little cool point and click survival horror game called the padre which was just released on playstation 4 um last week and switch about two months ago so i did story editing and and really lead voice acting on that one um i've also done voice acting for uh, the caillou offensive i'm like their narrator um and i also did some voice acting for relentless rex i play the main character and that's not out yet um now, uh, my next book, The Minds Behind Adventure Games, is set for a full release, and I'm also finishing up The Minds Behind Sports Games, which is oh, wow. set, yeah, which is oh my god, we could talk about that for a little while too if you guys want, but that's yeah. set for a spring 
2020 release, and I'm also working on the minds behind the shooter games. What? Wow. Which uh, I'm only like five chapters deep in, but um, Turok the Dinosaur Hunter is one of the chapters. Um, and that's that's probably going to be sometime either end of 2020 or early 2021. So. I'm also what working on a comic you book too, and I'm working on a, a video game, uh, which is basically like if the original Link in The Legend of Zelda had a gun. It's called Kroom, and uh, I'm working on it with Pete Paulquette, who was the senior animator on Bioshock Infinite, and I'm writing the story oh for that gosh. game. So yeah, so that's me. That's me in a nutshell. What haven't you done, or what wow. aren't you about to do in the next two to three years? That's the thing, man. It's just like I'm just trying to do as much as I possibly can. It's like every day I'm just like, how can I, how can I stretch myself a little bit farther? How can I put myself in situations that I haven't been in yet? And I'm just like this really annoying, persistently positive like ball of energy. So I'm just I'm I'm ready to just do all the things that I always wanted to do. Like a couple of years ago, I just said to myself like. I'm making good money. I have a really cute wife. Um, I have a daughter on the way, but it's like, there's so many things that I want to do that I just haven't done yet. And I was sick of like someday being the day I was like, no, it's going to be today. And I, I just started doing all this stuff and I'm really happy because of it. So, and can I say, I think it was on Facebook. I think you posted, you were talking with a baseball player some years ago. And I was just like, what hasn't Patrick done? <laughs> Oh yeah, I covered I covered um, professional baseball for about seven years. I covered pro hockey for about five years. I was an editor at NBC for two and a half years. I covered like SummerSlam, a couple of WrestleManias, two Olympics, three seasons of Saturday Night Live. Like I've for a thirty-five year old guy, I've done a nice bunch of uh, stuff. You've got quite the packed out portfolio. I'm trying, man. I'm yeah. trying. So it's like everywhere you go, you have all these people that you know say they can do this and say they can do that. And I'm just like, I'm just trying to get stuff done. I talk about myself a lot, but I get a lot of stuff done too. So yeah. at the end of the day, I just want like, um, I want my daughter to be like, you know what? Like my dad is a thousand times cooler than your father. That's like my goal at the end of the day. I can say at the moment you are succeeding because you have quite the collection as well. Oh Yeah. I, you know, I, I see what you put on Facebook and stuff, and I'm like, man, this collection is insanely awesome. Yeah, I've got about 3,000 games. Um, I've got a lot of books, a lot of DVDs, too. It's just like a complete, like, nerd haven. It's like my daughter, like, uh, she knows a ton of Pokemon. She likes yokai. She's into Disney. She she likes wrestling. So it's like that's what I'm – I'm trying to just make her, like, the super cool girly girl, like, nerd, you know? So You've, you've almost got – her doing like a a series on social media as far as doing her pick of the day for games. Oh yeah, because she just goes that, in. Yeah. Thank you. She she just goes in and she just like grabs stuff. So then I'm just like game of the day, and a lot of the time she's like no. <laughs> so I just like sometimes like if she's in the mood, like I think like two weeks ago we did like Ducktales and like um, Disney Infinity or whatever. She was just grabbing stuff, so I'm like you know what? If I have to take these in advance, I'll do that. You know, but uh, like today. Um, she's just getting over being sick. So we had her like walking around the house, like kind of like in a t-shirt and her diaper to like keep her cool and stuff. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't taking any like, you know, uh, kitty pictures for Instagram right. or anything. But like uh, today she was just grabbing like NES games off the shelf. And I'm like, oh my God. Like I want, I'm like, let's go put a pair of shorts on you. And she's like, nope. So she just wanted to hang out. So, <laughs> so we just did that. But uh, 
Yeah, she she's one of those people though, man. Like she she motivates me. Like I look at her and I'm just like, I need to work as hard as I possibly can for you. And my my wife is super positive. So it's just like every day I try and crank something important out. Like today I didn't really write as much as I wanted to. It's like the day after the fourth of July and we had to take her to the doctor because she was mm-hmm. sick. But um I secured pictures for the uh the sports book. I got this guy that works at an arcade. Um, he's going to take pictures of like the cyber bowl and the 720 arcade cabinets for me for my wow. sports book. So like just, that's what I do. I just get a little something done every single day. Yeah. Yeah. That's really, I feel like that's probably one of the best ways to accomplish something because if you try to tackle something big every day or something big every couple of days, um, it can kind of get overwhelming, whereas oh, if yeah. you do just a little bit of something each day, you'll you'll eventually see the progression, and it's it's to me like it's so much more rewarding doing it that way. Absolutely, and I mean, I've been kind of doing this like this for for fifteen years, so it's like I have a lot of people come over to me and like, oh my god, you're so <laughs> successful! It's just like all of a sudden, oh my god, you're so lucky! Oh my god, and I'm like. I've been doing this since I'm 20, bro. Like I've been writing like every day since I'm 18, but I've been getting published since I'm 20. I've been working, you know, my network and all these things for 15 years. Like this is this is my time. I have to make the most of it. So it's not just like an it's not just like this all of a sudden thing. It's it's been in the process. So I'm just I'm at a good point now. I'm kind of like you know that hockey player that's like three four years in the league and finds out finally like his role. Mm-hmm. So, or like baseball player that finally finds like the perfect spot in the lineup where he can thrive. And that's, that's kind of where I am now. I've kind of isolated myself from all toxic people. And I just try and surround myself with as many positive people as possible and people that are like-minded and I just do shit every day. So that's what it's all about. <laughs> all right. right. So the so. last time that you were on here, uh, you you had vaguely touched on the Padre, yes, and so, since released, yes. So, um, you guys ever play Alone in the Dark before? No, but I I know the GameCube uh, horror. Well, it, the, it basically the there's one for the GameCube, or I think you might be thinking about Eternal Darkness. I don't know. Uh, I am thinking Eternal Darkness. Dark. Dark. That's so, okay. Like, like, Alone in, Alone in the Dark is just this like really sexy old school PC like survival horror game. And um, it's kind of like it follows that type of formula, but it's got the camera view of the original Resident Evil. And mm-hmm. um, it's got Minecraft graphics, voxel graphics. Um, oh, baby. Really re- very, very solid lighting. Um, I edited the story, and I also voiced the main character. So it's basically like you're this um, priest that's uh, been tasked to find like his, his mentor that he has like this kind of like really crappy uh, relationship with. And uh, it kind of leads you to this haunted house. And then you find out that a lot of crazy has happened in this house. Um, And you've got to find out the secrets of the house, but also find your mentor. Um, So it's a really cool, old school story. But the thing is, though, too, is the creators, uh, Shotgun with Glitters, uh, they're super hardcore pop culture aficionados. And the game actually has some very funny moments in it. And uh, they let me write in a lot of lines. So, like, you know, I, I wrote in some Roddy Piper, you know, that it like, uh, I'm, all, I'm all out of bubble gum and I'm here to kick ass, you know, like stuff like that, you know. So um, there's a couple of Luke Cage lines that I, that I threw in there. So um, it's got some funny moments. Um, 
for PS4, GameCube, Xbox One, and stuff, it's not a point-and-click game anymore. So it actually has traditional tank controls. So um, it's still a survival horror. It very much controls like the original Resident Evil. Um, so that's that. Um, I had a lot of fun editing the dialogue. I had a lot of fun voicing the main character. That was like my the first game that I ever really worked on and it was all through Twitter. You know, like I met I met the guys on Twitter. I interviewed them from my site and then uh I noticed that their dialogue needed editing, so I threw a price at them and then next thing I know I'm editing all the dialogue in the game. Then uh <laughs> we went to Kickstarter and the voice actor left. So they're like, oh my God, we don't have a voice actor. So I'm like, I could do it. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could do it. So then I went in my man cave and I'm just like, holy shit, I just told these guys that I could voice a character. What, what the f*** am I going to do? So um, I've always been good at the, in a world, one man, blah, blah, blah. Like that that uh, movie voice. Right. So um, the guy that was doing the voice originally kind of sounded like Russell Brand. It didn't make any sense to me. The first time I heard it, he's like, oh, I'm just very wacky English priest man. Yeah, you know, and I'm this doesn't this doesn't fit the game so then i kind of uh if you guys have ever seen um the hell is that movie with russell crowe uh gladiator the oh, yeah. the, mm-hmm. the, the original gladiator the old man you know mm-hmm. yeah. Roy came up with that dark voice that he has i'm alexander the portrait you know so i just read through some of the dialogue and sent it i've crossed my fingers and uh they were like dude we love it it's perfect and um the reviews so far on Metacritic have been pretty good. It's like averaging like a six and a half, um, you know, and it's their first finished game too. So, I mean, I think that's quite an accomplishment yeah. to be to be that high your first game. Um, but, but everyone likes the voice acting. <laughs> so I'm just so like, what is that like for you to get that kind of feedback? Like, Oh, it's great, man. It's like over the course of the game, because it was on Steam Early Access for quite some time, and like people were making fan art for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I kind of had like a stalker throughout like the entire thing. Like uh, he named like his avatar after my dog. Cause like, you know, um, we would just it, like everybody on the discord channel. So I would do like uh, videos while walking my dog in the morning and uh, like picking up like my dog's crap and stuff. I'm like, Oh, I'm a priest, but I have to pick up meatballs, you know? And like people would die and people would laugh and stuff. So this guy like named his, like, av- like his car- his username, like meatball and stuff. And he was sending me, um, what's it called? Like fan art and stuff. And he was a nice guy, but, uh, that it, it was pretty cool, you know? And, um, there's a lot of other stuff going on with, uh, shotguns with glitters now and fear Demic who published a game that I'm not, that I can't get into. Like, um, what's the word? Uh, NDA non-disclosure agreements mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But, um, it's going to be interesting the next couple of years to find out like what's going on with like this franchise and like this dev, like they've, they've come a long way. So um, I'm super happy for them. The game was designed essentially by like eight people, you know, and when you look at it, um, you definitely think that more than eight people played a part in it. And everybody like really worked hard and everyone had families and stuff. And they're all on the other side of the world. They're all in Hungary. And I'm in, you know, my little house in, in Brooklyn, New York. So it was so funny. Like they would send me videos and pictures of them all drinking like, like after a night of development. And I'm like home, great in papers, you know, so. That was a that was a lot of fun to see. Like the first system that it came out on was the Switch, and um, to see it in the shop, like the eShop, like I literally like wanted to cry. You know, I'm just like, holy, like it happened. You know, and um, I'm a college professor. I'm a full time college professor, and um, 
a lot of my colleagues are like, oh, video games? Oh my god. <laughs> like, oh, you play video games? Oh. Well, those are for kids. Yeah, you know? So it's like my book isn't taken seriously by a lot of them. And then like this, but my students are like, dude, you're like doing it. And I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm like, this is what I want to do. And I'm like, if this is what you guys want to do, like, this is how you do it, you know? And uh, it's been really rewarding to have students come in and be like, dude, um, in the second floor in the Padre, how do you open up that door? All I hear is like you saying it's locked and it's like annoying shit out of me. And I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> I have like students knocking on my office door, like with their switches, like, Professor Hickey, how do you get past this level? And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is like, this is what I always wanted. So, so yeah, the Padre uh, was a lot of fun to work on. And, and like I said, it just, it just came out on PS4. It's probably, I like taking it on the go with the Switch, but like playing it on the big screen and the, the sound in the game is awesome. The music. Um, so getting to experience it on the big screen is probably even better. So if you play it in the dock mode on the Switch or on the PS4, like for me, that's the way to play it. What are the challenges compared to writing a book when it comes to writing a game and voice acting for that at the same time? That's an awesome question. This is why I love you guys. This is why I wanted to come on again. Um, Thank you. So um, they're very, to tell you the truth, they're very similar. Okay. Um, one of the things with the Padre was um, I was story editor. So I couldn't, I wasn't really in a position to say, yeah, you know what? I don't like this. You know, like this, this part of the plot, is not working for me. Like I would tell them, but at the end of the day, it's their game. You know, I'm basically like an independent contractor and I'm editing it and I'm just doing the best that I can. And uh, there was like one part I edited like this, like fable within the game. It's like, they had like this short story that was like 20 pages. And I'm just like, who the hell is going to read this? You know, no one's going to read this in the game. You know, but then like on Steam Early Access, people are like, dude, we really like that story. And then like right after you read the story, I'm like, oh, okay, all right, okay. But um, I'm writing the story for Kroom right now. And uh, I can tell you like right off the bat, like we've we've killed entire races of people and entire planets during the writing of the story. Okay. Like I would be like, oh, well, we're, we'll have this planet and blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, nah, no, nah, we don't like that name. We're going to – let's change it to something else. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm happy that you said that because – what about this? And they're like, oh, that's better. So then I would go to them. You know, we just killed like an entire planet just now. And they're like, holy, <laughs> you're right. Um, P. Paul Kett um, was a senior animator on Bioshock Infinite. He's also worked on the Ice Age films, Rio, Horton Hears a Who, um, Gladius, the LucasArts game. Like this guy's a mm -hmm. pro. Like this guy is an absolute pro. And he's the animator on the game. And he's like one of the co-designers. And his brother, Jeffrey, um, he worked on uh, that Microsoft Zombies game on the Hive. Um, and he's super talented too. He's our engineer and he does the score. And there have been times when, you know, I'll be taking a nap and we talk on Google Hangouts like every day and I'll take a nap and I'll wake up and they'll be like, this part of the story isn't working, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like catching up. I'm like taking it and I'm like reading through like what they're saying. And I'm like, no, no, no. And then I'm writing in, I'm like, guys, that part of the story is fine. There's nothing wrong with it. And they're like, yeah, but it, it's not as good as the first part. Blah, blah, blah. And then I have to really like kind of take a breath and say, is this their opinion or are they like truly right? And 99.9% .9 of the time they're absolutely right. So every time that's come up, we've actually made the story a ton better. And it's gone from like this really like old school eighties, like linear adventure to something that's more along the lines of like the original legend of Zelda and like Celeste and Mega Man all mixed up into one. Like I'm so 
proud of how far the story has come in such like in in about five months and working with these guys is kind of like my first like real dev experience Mm -hmm. um and i love them like they're both from boston and it's like i'm like their long lost like brother like we get along so we've we've took we've taken the game to like play crafting events and stuff like that and like I, I get along with them. We're totally like cut from like the same cloth, and uh, I'm re- like once this game is is finished, I think it's going to be really special. And it's kind of like I don't want to say it's as pretty as Bloodstained, but it's going to be kind of like something like that, like something where where you look at it and you go, yeah, I know this is an eight bit game, but there's so much more under the hood in terms mm-hmm. of story, in terms of gameplay, and it's going to be really special. And I'm super happy to be a part of that. And to finally answer your question, um, writing, writing the book is along the same lines because like what, what I usually do is um, I, I write the beginning of a chapter. And then once the person like confirms that they want to be a part of the book, then I send them questions. And then once I get the answers back, then I throw that into the chapter and then I start building the narrative around like their answers. And then usually I think I'm done. And then I always send the chapter to the developer because I want them to read it before it goes to print. And I want them to make sure that like they're saying everything the way that they want to say it, you know, like, cause it's, mm-hmm. this is, it's more about them being able to tell their story the right way. So a couple of times, like I've had people send me back more answers and like try and not be vague or redefine. And sometimes that changes the entire chapter. So the, the whole thing is, is like, you've got to just be super open-minded all the time and when somebody challenges you to make your work better you've got to rise to the occasion and it's so easy to get butt hurt and to get triggered and be like oh no my writing's great blah, blah blah and it's just so much it's so much harder but ultimately it's so much better to just be like you know what i'm gonna take all of this cr- criticism and i'm gonna try and make my work as best as possible so it's i think writing the books in a weird way prepared me to be a developer and then um, working with Pete and Jeff on Croom has made my writing so much better. And I think like if anyone that's listening picks up the second book, they're going to find that it's a much better reading experience than the first one. And the first one is something that still to this day and for the rest of my life, I'll stand by because I think the stories in there are great. But the second book, I mean, it's just it's night and day better like it's deeper i ask better questions it just it it gets to like where it needs to be like so much quicker and more effectively than the first book and i do have a question about crew you know working sure with a couple people uh Mm -hmm. writing the story when they come back and they do say you know what you can do better how hard is it to take that criticism and to go back and write something that you created that you wrote and to try and quote make it better like how hard is that to to go back and and kind of take that criticism well, you know what it is too. It's like um, this is like one of my first attempts at fiction because I'm largely a nonfiction writer. I've been a journalist for 15 years, so I feel like um, this is something that I'm still learning to do to the best of my ability. So um, Pete and Jeff are extremely straight up. Like they're the type of people that if somebody like walks into a room and they look like they'll go, you know, you really don't look your best today. And if that person could go, well, you know what, blah, 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 and they could go, get as, you can get as angry as you want, but mm-hmm. no offense, but you don't look your best today. You might want to fix that, you know? And they do it that way. Like, it's never an insult. Mm-hmm. It's just like, you know, Pat, I think you could do better, you know? And it's come up, there, there, it's come up times when, like, you know, Pete's animated something, and I'll go, 
well, why don't you try that color instead? And he'll go, oh, you're right. You know, or like, we'll do like a level design and I'll be like, well, Jeff, why don't you do this? So like, we're all, we're constantly doing it to each other. So I feel like I have the least amount of work to do because I'm not animating. I'm not designing the level. Like I'm, I'm giving suggestions. I'm playing the crap out of the game. I'm telling them what feels good, what doesn't feel good and stuff like that. So like, I'm helping in design, but like, they're, they're the ones that are like in unity busting. So I feel like when they come over to me and they're like, Pat, you know, some of the dialogue is a little too long. We need it to be a little bit more noir, you know, a little like to the point, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to spell everything out. Let the gamer kind of come to some conclusions. I eat that shit up. I put, I put it like on bread and I eat it up. Like I love it because it, at the end of the day, it makes you better. Is it hard? The first time it happened? Oh my God. I was like, what the hell? No, no, it was, it's great. And then the best thing you could ever do after you write something is just totally disconnect from it. You know, right. like step away from it for a couple of hours, a couple of days, and then take a look at it again. Like I'm writing a comic book now that like I wrote when I was 18 and uh, I finally found an artist for it. And I had to edit the first issue to give to him so he could start to like, you know, draw it. And I was just reading it. I'm like, holy, shit, I wrote like this. This is disgusting. Oh, my God. I'm like, the ideas are there. I still believe in the ideas, but I'm like, oh, my God, these sentences suck. They're so choppy. Oh, they're like rife and gerunds and grammatical issues. And then, you know, everyone can get better every single day. That's probably like my favorite thing about writing. Like as long as I keep my brain intact, when I'm 90, I could still become a better writer. So mm-hmm. the criticism is hard, but I mean, I think it's something that like uh, I've been able to take with and and use it as a as a positive thing and, and grow as much as I can. So I, at this point, I kind of look forward to it. Um, like a, a week ago, um, Pete designed another uh, enemy for level two in Kroom, and he was like, what do you think of the enemy? And I'm like, oh, this is really cool. And he's like, all right, go write a backstory for it. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, like, you know, I, I put my daughter to bed. I took a shower. You know, I'm just chilling on the couch with my wife. And then I'm just like, all of a sudden it came to me. And I, you know, I, I pulled out my laptop, and I started uh, I started writing, and I sent it to him. And the next day he's like, dude, that, that's great. That's a, And I'm like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, it's great. I'm like, no critique. Like, you don't. And he's like, no, 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 this is great. So then I like wrote on Facebook. I'm like, I think I'm getting the hang of this like fiction thing. And that's what it's about. If people don't challenge you along the way, so many people walk around sniffing their own every single day. They think they're the best and everything and they've never been challenged. So it's like working with Pete and Jeff. I feel like I'm challenged every single day. So I feel like, you know, I'm actually as good as I think I am, which is hard. And then. I mean, that's a really awesome answer, and I really enjoyed that because because like, when you're talking, I'm always coming up with like like 700 different questions. So no, another okay. question I had for you was because uh, like it's has, it's not related, but it's still kind of related. When writing yeah, sure. the the book, uh, uh-huh. the, the you know the mind behind the games, did anyone give you a no? And then when you started writing adventures behind the minds of the games, did did any previous no's become yeses? Um, Just out of curiosity. No, but what happened was people didn't answer me mm-hmm. for the first book. <laughs> and then they answered me like a year and a half later. And I'm like, okay, I could put you in the shooter book. Or, oh, mm-hmm. I could put you in the sports book. So, like, really quick, um, right now I'm working on the minds behind the sports games. And um, RBI Baseball on the NES is one of my favorite classic. Sports Absolute games classic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, – I emailed Peter Lipson, the programmer, like in January. And uh, 
I think I might have emailed him again before that, like in November of like 2017. And the thing is, Facebook sucks. Like it went it went through that uh, the messages when people aren't your friends little thing. You know what I'm talking yep. about? Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about because I don't. If someone messages me like that, I hardly ever read those. Mm -hmm. So he messaged me like a month ago and he was like, dude, I'm so sorry. Like I never checked this folder. I'd love to. And we started talking. So now like RBI baseball is one of the featured games in the minds behind sports games. So it's kind of stuff like that has happened. And then like, I wanted to have loaded for PS one in, um, in the original minds behind the games. And, uh, those guys didn't answer me. And then, like, literally two weeks after the book came out, uh, I emailed, like, five people on the dev team. And they all ended up emailing me back, like, one after another. So I'm like, okay, this is going to go in the sequel. So originally, there wasn't supposed to be a Minds Behind the Adventure Games. It was supposed to be the Minds Behind the Games 2. But my publisher was like, okay, the first book was kind of like a, a buffet. You had all different genres and stuff like that in there. And it was great, and it's doing well, and we're happy with it, and we're, we love to have you. But we think what would work is if you do genre-specific titles from now on. And I'm like, okay. So they're like, well, what do you want to do first? And I'm like, adventure games. So I ended up uh, saving Loaded for the Shooter Edition. So the Shooter Edition only has like four or five chapters. But to have Loaded, which is like one of the bloodiest games on PS1 in there, and Turok the Dinosaur Hunter, I feel like the Shooter book is like in a really good spot so far. But uh, I just started – I went from doing the sequel, and I just transitioned into uh, – Adventure games. And then I take the word adventure kind of lightly because mm -hmm. Parappa the Rappa is in the adventure book. And the reason why it's in the adventure book is because it's like the only rhythm game with an actual story. So we're talking about right. like, we're talking about games that have like stories that take you on an adventure, you know? Okay. So, mm -hmm. so yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's what happened. People that like didn't get in touch with me for the first book, they started getting in touch with me for the second. Um, a couple of people said yes. And then just like kind of disappeared. So like uh, Alan McNeil, who did Berserk on Atari 2600, he just disappeared on me. And then a couple of people from Disney Infinity just uh, disappeared on me. Uh, I know. And then um, I had somebody that was supposed to do uh, Legacy of Cain, Blood Omen. They what? Kind of, yeah, um, they said yes. But the thing was, too, like I'm not going to put them on, on the spot because they gave me answers for two chapters in the Minds Behind Adventure game. So they did two mm -hmm. out of three. And okay. – uh, the two chapters they gave me were absolutely fantastic and they've been nothing but like awesome to me. So legacy of Kane is kind of like the one that got away, but that's okay. So that's kind of like the situation. Um, Donna Bailey, who did a uh, centipede for 2,600. Mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to have her and she said no for the first book. Oh. Yeah. And the reason why I think is because she retired and she wants to write her own book. So why, why would she give okay. me everything? You know, uh, the Tetris people, I think I, I don't know if I told you guys this story, but I emailed the, the people from Tetris and uh, they were like, not only do we not want you to like uh, write about the game, but we would appreciate it if you didn't mention like Tetris at all in your book. And I was just wow. like, oh, wow. OK. So then I mentioned Tetris in my book anyway. Um, <laughs> so uh, because one of the programmers from uh, Road Rash actually mm -hmm. worked on Tetris on the NES. So oh, cool. So yeah, so I, I so Tetris, the word Tetris is in the minds behind the games. So um, those were like the only things that kind of came up. I wanted to get Pokemon in the first book, and Nintendo gave me like a twenty-six page PDF of like every fact about Pokemon. 
which I told them would have been great, but I need sources. I can't just, mm-hmm. you know, otherwise it would be like every other video game book that's out there. And right. that's not what, that's not what I wanted. So those were like the only situations where anything like that came up. The cool part about the adventure game book is that like, I would say like six or seven of the people that I spoke to for the first book, um, they've done a lot more games. So it's like David Crane, I interviewed for a boy in his blob and like night trap in the first book. And then I'm like, Dave, you want to talk about pitfall? For the second book and he's just like yeah absolutely so i if anything it helped me build relationships so more situations like that than like flat out no's the way it works is i send out pitches and i would say probably like 10 percent of those people get back to me so if i've spoken to like 150 developers for the first two books that means i've probably pitched about a thousand so that's the way it usually works most of these people don't get back to you but the ones that do are so amazing that like i mean you want to hold on to them for the rest of your life. They're just, they're amazing people. Video game developers are like my favorite people in the entire world. I can totally agree with that. And your experience sounds very similar to ours nine times out of 10. Mm-hmm. Cause I mean, there are people that say yes, we get them on the show. Great. People that say yes, never hear from them again. And then yep. you get the people that say they just, you know, don't yeah. say anything. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. That sounds pretty, pretty on point with our experience as well. And uh, for Legacy of Kane, was it Dennis Dyack by chance? No, it wasn't Dennis Dyack. Okay. Okay. No, no. it was uh, it was somebody else that was uh, deeply involved in the development process. That okay was well aware of all of the drama. It was like the perfect person too. But again, like I said, he he gave me answers to two amazing chapters that like are mm-hmm. two of like my favorite chapters in the next book. So I can never okay. be mad at him. And he has like there you go. The coolest picture in the book. So, like, when you guys pick up the next book, when you mm-hmm. see like a picture of a dev, and you're like, "That's the coolest picture in the world," then you'll know who I'm talking about. But I will never okay. blow, him. I will never blow him up for not giving me answers because he's an amazing guy. Uh, that's that's totally fair. I mean, mm-hmm. what can you say to that? I mean, he still gave you answers, right? Yeah, absolutely. How was it for you to to go from a book that was so broad in genres? to a book that is now focusing on one specific genre? Like, was it more difficult writing this book as it was to writing the first book? Or did you uh, enjoy it more? I think I enjoyed this more because um, the first time, I had no idea how people were going to react to this book. Like, um, I was doing this book because I wanted to help validate video game journalism. Um, I wanted to show that, like, the, the people that make it, were making the games were more important than, like... The stuff that you see online now where it's like just basically like clickbait and people are just looking to like, you know, get get views and stuff like after writing after writing the first book, I never wanted to write another review ever again. You know, like I I just wanted to write features because to me, it's like there's no such thing as a bad game. It's just it's just a a game that's not right for the person playing it. Um, So when I started getting all this positive feedback for the first book and, you know, um, people were inviting me. I mean, I've spoken easily like on 50 podcasts i've been to like 12 different conventions and stuff like it it was so positive that i I felt like this rush of confidence to to do the second book and that's why i got to work so quickly but to answer your question like adventure is like super broad so it's like i have double dragon in there that's a beat-em-up i have maximum carnage in there so it's just like i felt like adventure would be like the perfect one to tackle first because it is so broad um any game that has like some type of story that we can connect with is in there. So like Boom Blocks is in there, which is probably like one of my favorite puzzle games on the Wii. But the reason why it's in there is because it's got a 300 level story mode 
and um, Steven Spielberg played a role in it. So like Steven Spielberg is like the king of story, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so this book is super broad too. So it's like, you can go from one chapter being like a straight up like um, action adventure to like X-Men Legends is featured, which is more of like an action RPG. But all of these games are are games that you would spend hours with because the story would draw you in. Like Die Hard Trilogy is in the uh, the book and that's, part racing part light gun shooter part third person shooter so it's like i told my publisher my publisher's like oh put it in the shooter book and i'm like yeah but there's racing elements in it it's like three games in one i'm like it's just this wild (gasps) adventure and they're like yeah you're right okay so to answer your question it's just like this was the perfect book for me because to, to do after the first one because it was super broad and then the thing is now i'm working on the sports book and to me that's even broad too because you have all of these different sports and they all play differently from one another and then when I start the shooter, it's going to be like old school uh, arcade shooters, and you have light gun shooters, and you have third person shooters, and you have first person shooters, and you have VR shooters, and you have mobile shooters. Like it's super, like all of them. Like if you really want to get down to the nuts and bolts of it, all of these genres are super broad. So if you're a geek, like it's just perfect to like write. Now, kind of switching gears a little bit, but still talking mm-hmm. about the books. Uh-huh. With, with the sports book, um, have you gotten a chance to talk with any of your heroes or anything like that? Like maybe someone that you looked up to or, or still look up to in any way at the oh, moment? Absolutely. So um, this will be like a first time announcement. You guys will get the the exclusive. Um, uh, that's what I'm talking about. So um, the NHLPA 93 chapter in the first book is probably one of my favorite chapters because Michael Brook to me is just like, that's the guy that like created all of like the first hockey games on the Sega Genesis and the Super Nintendo. Like I love those games. So we've stayed in contact. And when he found out that I was doing a sports centric book, he's like, Oh, he's like, dude, I'll talk to you about NHL 95. I'll talk to you about NBA action 95. I'm like, Oh, that's great. And he goes, Oh, if you want, I'll write the forward too. I'm like, um, yeah, please. And he's like, oh, you know, you know, you should talk to you should talk to Don Traeger. He did like Lakers versus Celtics and Jordan versus Bird. And then I talked to Don Traeger and Don Traeger's like, oh, you should talk to John Salwitz. He did 720 and Cyber Bowl. And then like all. So that's I've I've been for the past like year, I've been just hanging out like on Skype, talking to all of these guys and meeting some of them in person. It's just been amazing. So the sports book is kind of like the early PlayStation sports games, the Atari coin op. Um, sports games like Cyber Bowl and 720 and RBI Baseball, then all of the original EA. So I have the original Madden feature, the original FIFA, uh, Lakers versus Celtics, Mutant League Hockey. Like It's just like pretty much every era of sports games that you could think of. Um, so being able to talk to all of these guys, like it's amazing. Um, last week, I did an interview with um, John Salwitz and he did 720, which is it's, it's Tony Hawk before Tony Hawk. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Cyberball, which is the first football game to ever use that top-down camera view, which Madden totally borrowed. Um, and I'm interviewing him at like 11.30 at night, and I'm exhausted because I'm at work every morning at like 6.30, grading papers and writing and stuff, and I had nothing in my tank. And just like listening to this guy talk, it just like brought me to like another level, and I found that extra gear, and we, we spoke like an hour and a half. And then just the next day, listening to the audio, I'm just like, this is really special. So. The first book was great because it felt like um, it was like my first hit, so to speak. You know, it was like the first song that like people liked that I did. And then like the adventure game book is great because the chapters are written. Like if you like everyone loved the night 
the night trap chapter in the first book because they just mm-hmm. said the reporting was there like you had different voices and stuff and i feel like that's what every chapter of the adventure game book is like but the sports game book is just so much different because it's taking me back to like my childhood so it's like the chapters are a little bit longer but there's so many great stories so each one of these these books are similar but they're so different in other ways the sports book though so far has probably been my favorite one to write well i cannot wait to read any of these because you have been <laughs> on fire you know with the marketing and stuff like on social media and stuff like i'm getting hyped to read this stuff man that's that's probably been the hardest part because i'm just like a one-man band it's like every day i tell myself i need like at least two or three posts a day like on social media just reminding people that like i'm not going anywhere you know that like the next book is coming out and then like on the facebook page like just the facebook page has been great because people have suggested chapters for the books and i've actually been able to deliver for them so, like, I had somebody um, from another podcast suggest Croc. So, Croc oh, is man. yeah. So, Croc is in the adventure game book. And then another reader, somebody that read the first book, um, he was like, "Oh, there was this text adventure game on Apple II called Zill." He goes, "I loved it." He goes, "If you could find the developers like that." So then, I ended up finding a ROM of the game and playing it on DOSBox. I'm like, this game is super ahead of its time, and I ended up finding the two developers, and that's featured in the adventure game book. So it's like, wow. I use the I use the Facebook page as a way to interact with my readers, but like a lot of the times they'll throw something out there and I'll go, you know what, I'm gonna go try and find this person and put it in the book. So it's just like I'm just I'm trying super hard to build a community and, and get to people to, to kind of get nerdy and love like these stories and get these developers to talk. And the cool part too about the Facebook page is there's easily like 20 of the developers of these classic games chiming in from time to time and people have no idea who they are. <laughs> You know, so it's got to be so weird sometimes, right? Like I mentioned the other day, how come there hasn't been a good Star Trek game? Mm-hmm. And one of the developers is like, "Oh, I designed one a couple of years ago, but like nobody paid attention to it because they were playing the Raven first-person shooter game." Blah, blah blah. And like people don't like comment back to him, and I'm just like, "It's crazy." <laughs> the, the creator of Turok the Dinosaur Hunter and like the producer for WCW NWO Revenge—they're on there all the time, just bull. And I'm just like, "This is awesome. This is like the the type of community." that I've, I've always wanted to be a part of. And I'm like the de facto leader of it. So it's been, that's probably the hardest part though. It's just like long days on the way home mm-hmm. on the bus. And I'm just like, all right, time to update the Facebook page, time to throw like a stupid meme or something like that on, on Instagram, because I mean, that's the best way to market yourself. And I'm, I'm Absolutely. not, you know, I'm not like this super mega popular person yet. So I have to do it every single day. Got to get that grind in each and every day. It's worth every it in day. the end though. Yep. Absolutely. Now, you commented on one of our posts recently because we were talking about uh, Meyer Maker Games on our last episode, our last full mm-hmm. episode, and other Maker Games people would like to see. And you commented something very interesting. You would like to see a Metroid Maker. Why did you mention Metroid? Uh, you know why? Because the, the first like the first Metroid, Metroid 2 Return of Samus, and Super Metroid, I just feel like um, those games for me were just so much fun to get lost in. Mm-hmm. Oh, Absolutely. Be- you know, you'd just be like, all right, I think I know where I am, but you know what, who cares? I just want to jump around, use all of my abilities, shoot stuff. And um, I feel like those games, if you had a maker version of it, would be so much fun because people would, would absolutely get lost in each other's creations the same way they would for, you know, Mario Brothers and stuff. Zelda, mm-hmm. you have like the Zelda dungeon maker would be great, but like mm-hmm. a, an open world Zelda would be, it would, there would be way too much stuff to do. But like, I feel like Metroid is just as contained as Mario. And I feel like it would work. It would work just as beautifully as uh, as Mario does. I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I 
I think a, like something like a Super Metroid would work perfectly. It's got it's 2D because mm-hmm. I think a 3D Metroid Maker would be a little too much, but a oh, 2D absolutely. Metroid would be perfect. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to play it. I would love to take it on the go. So, and if you mix in all of the abilities from all, from those first three Metroid games, it could be a lot of fun. Fantastic. Could, yeah. It's uh, I really think that that is a genre that more developers and companies should take advantage of. It's just it's just one of those things where it's like when developers didn't have a lot of room and you knew the gameplay was linear, they just kind of totally tricked you because you still have like task A, B, and C to do, but you can do it in your own way. Mm-hmm. So it just gave the game so much more playability. It's to, to me too. I mean, it's my favorite style of of gameplay. It's like to this day, like when people tell me, oh, like what games inspire you? It's like Castlevania, Metroid, Cave Story. You know, st- uh, Celeste. It's like stuff like that, where it's just like it's it's linear, but it's not at the same time. You know. So you've mentioned Celeste a couple times. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there anything that you're currently playing, and can you like just give us your initial thoughts of Celeste? Because that was our 2018 game of the year. Um. So I interviewed Matt Thorson for Towerful for the first book. What? And, what? Uh, yeah, <laughs> Towerful is in the original minds behind the games. Um. He gave me great stuff. Um, super nice guy. And it was it was totally during the time that he was developing Celeste. So it's like um, I felt so bad because I was totally up his ass the entire time. I must have sent him like 60 emails. And um, it's just such a special game for me because, um, I mean, I know a lot of people that have like questioned themselves, including myself, like, you know, your abilities and like what you're capable of doing and have had fears of success and feel of, and fear of failure. So, I mean, for it to address all of those things, the way that it does, I just think it's, I think it's one of a kind. And I, I would say like when I was writing the story for Kroom, um, Cave Story and Celeste were probably my two like go-tos in terms of like getting, I wanted the gamer to feel something and I didn't want it to be forced um, and like I said, those are two games that I feel like I constantly felt while I played those games. I had an attachment to the characters and their journeys. So, um, yeah, Celeste, I, I don't say a lot of games are like a 10, but Celeste is as close to being a 10 as you can possibly be mm-hmm. considering like what it's going for. There, there are going to be 13, 14 year old kids that are like, Oh, it doesn't look like Call of Duty, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> like stupid. It's not supposed to. Right. You know? So Considering all the limitations that Matt put upon himself, he he scored an absolutely like perfect game within those like you know those confines that he put upon himself. Absolutely, and so I love that, Celeste. That story too, like by the time you're done with it, it, it hits you in the in all the right spots, and it's just absolutely it's so beautifully told and beautifully the art's beautiful, the music, everything mm-hmm. about it. You could tell a lot of care was taken uh, was put into that game. It's just it pays off. It seriously pays off in so many ways. I mean, that, the thing is too, it's like you got like three or four people developing it. And mm-hmm. you know, I talk, I talk to Pete and Jeff all the time about Kroom and I'm like, it's just guys, it's the three of us. It's just the three of us doing this. And it's like, regardless of how well or not well that it sells, it's like the fact that we're going to finish this and we're going to release it to the masses that, that says something, you know? So there, Matt is def, Matt and his team are definitely like an inspiration to us, you know, and like what they were able to do in the time that they were able to do it into, you know, so, and the mm-hmm. thing is on top of it, I mean, Matt just makes games, Matt Dorson, like that's his job. 
Right. And like Pete works for Blizzard. Um, he does all the keyframe animations on like Overwatch and stuff like that now. And he's working on a couple of other projects. And Jeff is a full time like, you know, software engineer. I'm a full time college professor. I run my own site and stuff. And then like eight eight o'clock at night till like two o'clock in the morning, pretty much every night we're we're working on this game. So um we've got our work cut out for us. But like again, the fact that these guys were able to do what they did, like that's just inspiration to us for for us to try and do something similar, like in our own vein. Because there's there's a lot of like Akari warriors in our game. There's a lot of you know Metroid. There's a lot of different gameplay mechanics. There's a lot of original Legend of Zelda. So um, there's a lot of Strider in there. So it's it's a very different game from Celeste. I am excited just to see what you guys come up with. Just knowing the minds and creators behind it like i can't wait to see Karoom. like it's it sounds right up our alley there's um there if you guys if you guys go to croomgame.com there's a lot of like uh, there's a couple of videos a lot of animations up we had the game in playcrafting new york city about last month and like 200 people played it and everybody like really dug it we had like 70 percent of the first level available for people to play and um so it, it's it's again imagine if if link had a gun in the Legend of Zelda, that's the way it controls. That's the camera view and stuff like that. But your character also has a sword um, that charges up. So, like, you use it. You can use it to deflect bullets. Um, you can use it to kill enemies. If there's like three or four enemies like close to each other, it'll kill all four. So the sword play is really cool. Um, the gunplay is really cool. Um, it's got a really cool story. The sound. Everybody loves the score. Like Jeff totally nailed the score so um if you guys are ever in like one of the playcrafting events or any of the shows that we're at we would love to show you the game so awesome we even that's one of our goals i think not this year but next year is probably go to more shows because that we've only hit up the two local ones here in cincinnati and west virginia but we're looking to kind of expand so you might see us here soon absolutely and that's the thing man i'm telling you just like meeting people like that's that's like one of the best things you can do if you want to build your audience. Like we've met so many cool people. I, I've met so many cool people from the book. You guys, I mean, if I just stayed in my house all day and didn't go online, I would have never met you guys. You guys are like right. one of my favorite podcasts. I love you guys, you know? So that's the truth, you know? So um, that's, that's my best advice for anybody. If you want to do this, just get out and don't be scared to speak to people. Don't be scared to let people know how passionate you are. You know, that's, that's, one of the big things that like the video game industry thrives upon, it thrives upon passion and people with ideas. And if you're scared to show people those ideas, then you don't really have anything to add to the conversation. That is excellent advice. Um, honestly, that answers one of the questions that I was going to ask you, mm-hmm. but you, you've had your hand in a lot of different forms of, of media. Mm-hmm. And, and you've mentioned that. Is there something um, is there something that you haven't touched yet that you would like to to give a try? Wow. Um. So I just started working on a comic. I, I told you guys before. Um. It was something that I wrote when I was eighteen. I have an amazing artist. His name's Kieran Quinn. Um. I can't wait for people to check that out. Um. He he's like David. If David Mack and Mike Magnola had a love child, that's what his art looks like. Like I love I love working with him. Um, so that's something that I'm going to do. Um, we got the books, we've got the voice acting, the story editing. Um, I sing too. I would love, like I've been in bands too when I was a kid, um, and a teenager. I would love to do that one day, like release something. Uh, you guys are going to laugh, but, um, 
this is another exclusive. Not a lot of people know this, but like um, two months ago, I had um, weight loss surgery because I was a fat white guy, and um, I've lost about sixty five pounds wow. since then. So uh, I'm congratulations. Like, Thank yeah. you. So I'm like yeah, under three hundred pounds for like the first time in like <laughs> I would say like twelve or thirteen years. So I'd love to like wrestle a match. Yeah, I, I would love to like go to like an indie wrestling show and just like beat the ever loving piss out of somebody, you know, in front of all of my friends and family. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's that's awesome. Like that, but, um, and that could be like a reward to yourself too for the, the sure. big, uh, your your weight loss journey. Yeah, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's like um, writing the books is the most important part to me, and and like video game development development is like a super close second. Um, the voice acting has been so much fun. That's something that I've always wanted to do. Um, and like I said, it's just like at the end of the day, I want my daughter to be like, my dad's cooler than your your dad. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's like I feel like I'm well on my way. And that's the thing, too. It's like once I accomplish something, like I, I think I, I don't know if I told you guys this. I might have told another podcast, but I, I, I kind of got a little depressed after the first book came out, like not in a bad way, because like so many people were digging the book and stuff. But I'm like, they know everything that I know now. Yeah. So like I'm not special anymore. Oh. So like what do I what do I have to do? I have to go out and write another book. You know? Cuz like I'm not just going to sit here and be like uh you know, like ace of base and have like one song, yeah. you know? Like I want to go out and I want people to be like, "Oh yeah, he does this, 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 this and this and this." You know? So if anything that success like kind of fueled me, but I'm like really happy where I am now doing all of these different things, and I think it all like it all it's all based off the fact that like, I'm not scared to put myself out there and to sca- and to share my opinions and stuff. Like the couple of weeks ago, I was just bored. It was like pouring in New York city. So like I casted like a punch out movie on like Instagram, you know, like I put all people that I think would be like great for a punch out movie and like compared them to like boxers and stuff. And then I did it for final fantasy seven. And it's just like, I'm constantly being creative, you know? So, um, I think after Kroom is released, I think I'd love to do like a Kroom like book series because there's so much backstory that's not going to be in the game so that's another goal of mine to write a fiction like book um there's tons of things i i think crew would make an awesome like episodic animated show there's so many things that i want to do you know i remember when i was like 18 19 i'm like yo i'm going out when i'm like 50 no gray hairs no nothing like i don't want to get old and now it's like i want to live until like i'm 100 there's so much that i want to do so it's like um yeah, I would love to write a movie one day. There's so many things that I would love to do. So, one day at a time, man. One day yep. at a time. You, yep. You're you're yep. doing it. You're doing Don't very call. well right now. Uh, so, Patrick, you you're starting basically a new book series now. Mm-hmm. Um, and you've given our listeners advice. Is there is there anything else that you would like to? kind of throw out to our audience that you want them to know about or any just yeah sure anything just leave leaving the the mic completely open to you to say say whatever you want yeah so the first thing i'll say is um the minds behind the games is still very much like being promoted i promoted it like all the time i think it's you don't have to read the first book to appreciate the second book but i think um the first book is special i mean there's there's some great games in there from a ton of different genres, from a ton of different times, from the Atari 2600 to, to today. If you're interested in finding out the backstories of all of these games, I think it's a great like addition to your video game 
uh, library. You can purchase that book on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Books a Million. Like it's very available everywhere. But this is the thing. Um, I've interviewed like easily over two dozen video game book authors over the past two years because I like to see like where their heads at, how they market themselves, and I want to promote the the genre. And uh, some of them are really cool. And some of them aren't as charismatic as they need to be. I'm not going to throw out names or anything like that. Some of them are doing some of them are doing great work, but they're just not charismatic. Like I listen to them talk, and I'm just like, you're not promoting yourself. Like video games are supposed to be fun. They're supposed to be sexy, and um, you're not you're not exactly signing, you know. So um, when somebody buys the book from from me at patrickhickeyjr.com, um, they have to pay with their credit card or like PayPal and stuff, and they give me their mailing address stuff like that so when i get their mailing address like and if say if they're from like cincinnati like you guys are i'll be like okay do i have any like um cincinnati reds like baseball cards do i have any bengals like football cards or anything like that and i put cool in people's books you know just as kind of like a way for them to go oh you know what that's not just like uh you know a chris sabo card from like 1992 that's that's like that author gave that to me because he cares like about like the experience that I'm about to have and he wants it to be as individualistic as possible so that's something I started doing when the book first came out and I launched my site but it's something that I still do today so like anyone that orders my book like they can get anything from like uh codes for free um pokemon legendary pokemon um steam steam gift cards like for like free games and stuff i just do that because i want to have a relationship with them that like no other author has with them so um that's going to continue for the minds behind adventure games so in the minds behind adventure games comes out in the fall um you can pre-order now the pre-order link is live on patrickhickeyjr.com um it's not up on amazon yet um but again, the cool thing is if you order straight from me, I'll get the book before Amazon and you'll get it before Amazon and I'll personalize it and it'll be like a one of a kind item like for you. Um, after the adventure game book, I got the sports game book coming then the shooter. And then I really want to do an indie game book at oh, some point. Yeah. And I think that's like something that people will really get into. So I think like the indie game book will be like book five. And then I think after that, I might take a little exodus to work on like um to work on some comics and to, but you know what? It's like, if, if the books keep doing well, like I might be not stuck because I, I don't think of it being stuck, but I might be in a situation where I, I can't stop doing them, you know? And that would be a great thing too. I mean, my whole goal is I love teaching. I've been a college professor for 13 years. I absolutely love it. Um, but I would love to be able to just focus on my writing for a nice like chunk of time in my life. So like if I one day would be able to take like a sabbatical or like a, a complete summer or spring off to, to work on a book, I mean, that would be, that would be amazing. But like the thing that I want people to take away the most from this is that like these books are as much a journey for me as they are for you. Cause you guys are reading about them, but I'm getting to sit down and, and actually speak with these people and spend time with them. And I feel like um, it's owed that people get to understand their story. So this is something that like, it's written in a very fun way but like this is super serious to me and um, it's something that I love to do. So um, also too, I mean, you guys know this, I'm super accessible on social media. Like I've had people buy, buy books from me like that just friended me on Facebook and things like that. And like, that's, I would never shun away anybody, you know? Um, one of the reasons why I got into this is because I reviewed one of Brett Weiss's books 
And uh, I interviewed him and then I just started asking him questions. And I'm like, we write very different from one another, but I think that I could do something like this. And he helped support me for the first book. Like he was like, you know, I sent him a couple of sample chapters and he gave me some critique. And then he wrote the forward for me for my first book. So it's like, that's my way of paying it forward. Like if he helped me, I'm willing to help as many people that have similar hopes and dreams as well. So, I mean, some more advice to people that like want to be like an influencer build horizontally it's so easy to go to like somebody that has five million followers on twitter and like beg them to help you but if you find people that have less followers or just as many or just a little bit more and you help them all of you can grow at the same time Mm -hmm. so that's like that's my mission is like to grow with my readers like i love getting feedback on the facebook page and people saying oh i love this chapter and i love that chapter because it all influences me one way or another so um so yeah, so Minds Behind the Games is available. The next book is available in the fall, and you can pre-order it now. And then I've got like the Minds Behind the Sports Games and Minds Behind the Shooter Games. Kroom is actively in development. Um, I don't want to say when the release date will be because, like I said, it's three of us working on the game. So like it's very much uh, up in the air. It's going to get finished. We're working super hard on it. We work on it every day, but it's going to be like an eight-level game, and it's three guys busting their ass. So I would say like we probably need like another year and change to finish it and to polish it and stuff like that. Um, the comic is coming along great that I'm working on. That should be available like, you know, some months from now, but like, so I've got a lot of things in the hopper. I can't wait for all of this stuff to come out and people to, uh, to experience it. Man, I remember last time we spoke to you, you had, you know, a couple of voice acting gigs. Um, and then you had a couple ideas and now you're like making it happen. I just, yeah. you make me more excited just to see you continue <laughs> grow and to just continue like following your career right now. It's so exciting. Thanks, man. And you know what it is? It's just like, I'm, I'm literally like not scared, you know, like, mm-hmm. um, I remember when I was putting the list together for the minds behind adventure games and I, I'll just like, I'll make a list for myself of things that I want to get done. And like, one of the things that I wanted to get done was I wanted to have three or four like really sexy indie games in there. So, like, Video Kid on Switch, I love that game. I think yeah. it's great. That's awesome. You know, and I reached out to Adam, and I'm like, let's do this. And he's like, okay. And then after I did that, I'm like, West of Loathing, I love this game so much. And then I reached out to them, and they were like, yeah, let's do this. So it's like, I'm just, I'm, I'm literally not scared to annoy the living <laughs> somebody until I get what I want. I mean, if you meet my wife, she'll tell you she probably wasn't that enthralled with me the first time that I met her. <laughs> but I grew on her. You know, and she saw that, like, you know, I love the love the ever loving out of her and I was always going to have her back. And then, you know, a daughter later. And now now I'm like furniture in the house. I ain't going anywhere. You know, so that's kind of how I want to be in this this genre. I'm going to speak like Kevin Hart, like real talk right now. Um, There's like a huge problem in video game journalism right now. And if you mm-hmm. don't see it, then um, then you're looking through with like rose colored glasses there's a lot of like shock headlines and there's like a lot of bull reporting going around. And a lot of these writers have a ton of power that they can destroy a developer. Like before they're ever able to, you know, really get their own footing, reading some of the reviews for the Padre on Twitch, I'm just like, I teach journalism. I'm a journalism professor. And I'm like, this person has no formal journalistic training at all. They have no idea how to critique something properly. And it's like, some 10-year-old is going to go out, read a review. And I'm not just talking about the Padre. I'm talking about tons of games, you know, and they won't even play it. And when somebody asks them, oh, did you play it? They'll just repeat that review verbatim. 
Like, oh yeah, I played the game. It sucks. It's not a tour de force. And if like I Google that, it'll come up like on GameSpot or IGN or Polygon or Kotaku. Mm-hmm. So it's like my whole goal is like never to to let a reader have an idea of how good or bad a game is. Like I want them to re- read the chapter and say, holy a lot of time and effort went into this. These guys were inspired by, you know, movies and literature and music and stuff. And you know what? Let me try it. And bottom line is, if they try it and they don't like the game, they'll still have an appreciation for it because of all of the time and effort that went into it. That that's what I feel like my goal is through my journalism to show people's to show people's journeys, to show people's adventures. You know, and I feel like so many journalists now they just want traffic and they write so much that like. Any like reputable news organization would never run. You have like a ton of glorified bloggers that have followers on YouTube and Twitter and stuff like that, shaping like the the, the trends when they don't necessarily understand video game development. And mm-hmm. I just want to make sure that like the people that read my stuff understand that like if they read a chapter and say, "Well, he didn't say if the game was good or not," that's not up to me to decide. You know. That's right. up. That that's up for you to decide. All I want to do is provide context in the development process of the game and how it affected people. And I will like, I will do my due diligence and recite like how many how many units it sold and what like the Metacritic uh, score is because those are facts. Those are like I'm trying to be a proper journalist. I'm not gonna like trash trash a game. And I hope that like a lot of young video games read my work and that they take that into their own writing because I want to make video game journalism great again yes i just quoted him yes (laughs) you know right and i will say you know not all games have to be a 10 out of 10 to make them good Mm -hmm. because i've interviewed a couple people that i look up to and that aren't they either have like small projects going on now i'm like oh i remember this game they're like really that didn't necessarily review well and i'm like yeah i love that game and Mm -hmm. that's just how it is like you really do have to find things out for yourself absolutely it's like one of the games in uh, the minds behind adventure games is fellowship of the ring the lord of the rings game yeah and uh that's based on the book it's not based on the movie right. and um i love that game you know um it's definitely not a 10 but i played through it and i beat it and there were a couple of parts that were insanely difficult for me that almost stopped me in my tracks but i stuck with it and i beat it, it was one of the first games for ps2 that like i really like just beat the he- ever love and hell out of and when i interviewed todd Kleinschmidt like the programmer he was like yeah there's a couple of parts in that game so like i totally connected with him on that but the thing is i found out why those sections of the game were like that and it made me appreciate the game that much more you know Mm -hmm. so that's kind of like how i want to affect like the the ecosystem it's so easy to say oh you know et sucks but do you understand like what howard scott warshaw had to go through during those you know Mm -hmm. six weeks those five weeks of development Mm -hmm. you know that's that's kind of like what i want to bring to life so that's kind of like what my whole purpose is. If you can, which I don't think you have yet. I mean, mm-hmm. Superman 64, one of the worst games of all time. Well, see, I get into that. I pitched him. And he never. Oh, yeah. Answered. Oh, yeah. uh huh. I mean, if you name it's a game, so perfect. I, if you name a game, I've, I've probably pitched them before. Okay. You know, Fair so enough. it's like, mm-hmm. and, and the thing is though, too, I, I send out like, cause I'm working, I'm still, I have like 30, I had 36 games in the first book. Um, I have 31 games in the adventure book, including the original Grand Theft Auto. Um, and then I have like 34 in the, uh, sports book. So like, as long as I have over 30, I'm like a happy customer. Um, but like I send out I, right now I'm sending out, uh, pitches all the time like i pitched like the creator of galaga and asteroids the other day because i want them for the shooter 
Cool. Mm-hmm. So it's like every day, every day, just, you know, cracking at it, sending pitches. So, yeah, that's it. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> wow. We, uh, we really appreciate you taking time to come on here. And yeah, no problem. I mean, just talking to you about your, your current projects and your history and writing and all that stuff, like, that's inspiring. Uh, for me personally, I'm sure it's inspiring for our listeners just to keep doing what we're doing and to see, you know, the success that you've had. It's just, it's awesome to be able to just sit back and talk with you and, and see where you're at on your life journey of being a journalist, writer, yeah. developer, uh, comic book writer, <laughs> professor, uh, I don't know, what have it. Uh, yeah. I'm sure next time we have you on, you're going to be a podcaster. You're going to have a movie. Oh and- my God. <laughs> if I, if I could just say like one more thing, um, no doesn't mean no unless you're in like a bed with a woman. Everywhere else in your life, when somebody tells you no, it means no right now. So it's like my entire life, I've had people tell me no. Mm-hmm. I've had people tell me I can't do this and I can't do that. Like when I became a full-time professor, I had the head of my department tell me, you know what, Pat, you should probably give up like writing about video games. You probably shouldn't take pictures of yourself like in, in Nintendo World, like hugging a Pikachu and stuff. That stuff's not professional. You should probably just teach. You know, and I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. You you do that. That's not going to be me. And I went out and I did my own thing. And then I remember when the first book came out, I had a, another coworker of mine uh, read something that I had written. Like, a, I had to like evaluate like my year at work, and I mentioned like uh, my first book, and she said, well, you can't say your first book because you don't have a second book. It's your only book. And that was like I was already working on my second and third book at the same time. You know, so. Now when the second book comes out and I had to do my, my next yearly evaluation, then I will say my book series, you know? So it's like the more successful you get, the more people you're going to find like you guys that are amazing, that promote you, that love you, that appreciate you. But you're also going to find people that aren't very happy for your success. So what you have to do is you just have to kind of block them out and you have to do what's best for you and your family and your happiness every single day. So it's like every day I go to bed exhausted and I look at myself in the mirror and I say, you know what, I'm doing what I want to do on my own terms and I'm that much closer to being the person that I want to be every single day. And I don't make excuses when I wake up at 4.45 and I don't hit the snooze and I wake up and I feed my dog and I walk 15 blocks to the bus and I get started writing while I'm on the bus and I do it every single day. And nobody can ever take that away from you if you're that dedicated, if you're that passionate. That stuff doesn't grow on trees. It can't be taught. So it's like if you want to do something, that's what you do. And it's not like a magic switch or anything. You've got to just do it. You've got to just learn how to do it. So, I mean, that's for the past 15 years, I've just been focused on accomplishing things. And it's something that like, I'm never going to stop being. That's the only way that I know how to be now. So for the people that have supported me along the way, thank you so much. But this journey is just getting started. So you got to hold on a little bit longer because I'm not done yet. <laughs> we, uh, we are for sure holding on. <laughs> um, we're excited to see what you got coming up next and in, in yeah. your books and uh, definitely pick up uh, the minds behind adventure games uh, coming out you said in the fall yeah full uh, 2019 like I said now uh, before if you go to patrickhickeyjr.com you can pre-order it so the day that I get my books uh, I will mail out your book like next day so you'll get it before Amazon and it'll be autographed and it'll have some cool stuff inside of it so um, 
if you're like an Amazon Prime user, <laughs> you'll probably get free shipping. So you might spend a little bit more with me, like three or four more dollars, but it'll be worth it because you'll get it before and it'll be a, a cooler uh, a cooler version of the book. So Awesome. Uh, Patrick, thank you again so much for coming on and uh, we look forward to having you on again in the future. And yeah, man. As for everyone else, uh, have a rad day.